Hi, I'm Joseph. And I'm TJ. And this is Hi-Fi. Hello, Joe. TJ, good evening. So I heard that you ordered a uh, sit-stand desk and a new desk chair because you're adulting. Yes. Oh, although I uh, I haven't received them in the mail yet. You know, Amazon has been doing much better lately with their delivery times and schedules. I'm supposed to get my desk tomorrow. And uh, let's see here. It says the chair in four days. So you're having a problem with uh, Amazon's delivery. I, I can't say that I've had that problem. <laughs> well, it's been mostly good. Uh, we had a funny situation where there was a package delivered to the side of the house and it wasn't ours. Um, and besides that, mostly things have been good. It, some things get delayed. You know, Apple has actually been worse at delivery schedules than Amazon of late. Have you noticed that? Oh, you yeah. Apple, a- Amazon's always been like really good for me, especially since they switched to their own delivery services, you know, because uh, there was a period of time when Amazon got kind of bad because they were relying on USPS and UPS mostly. Um, and the system just could not handle the sheer amount of packages Amazon was trying to send, I think. And they would do stuff like the USPS would say, oh, we tried to deliver it, but nobody was home. And like, we were home all day. Nobody knocked on the door. It was not a thing that had tried to happen, you know? So anyway, since Amazon, and as everybody knows, Amazon has switched to their own package delivery service for the most part. Um, you know, so you see the Amazon vans running around the, the roads and that has been really good for us. Yeah, we've uh, met I, I our drivers. I, I met one of them at the door today. He was just delivering some more clothes. And yeah, like, oh, hey, no, you. Yep. Nice face. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you've got that, you've got that coming. I've had the, I've been living the uh, sit stand desk lifestyle for a few years now, and I really enjoy it. Uh, I've, I've trained myself to stand more and more. I stand usually until about two o'clock, and then I'll sit down. Oh, okay. See, I had a sit-stand desk at my last job, and what I wanted to do then, and I mostly stick to, was standing for an hour, sitting for an hour. And, mm. and I think I may go back to something like that. I I get really fatigued if I'm standing straight for multiple hours on end. Oh, I used to, but I've I've definitely trained myself mm. to do better. Um, oh, okay. And and so I initially I had a mat, and I still have it. It's, it sits in my closet. I rarely use it because what I found, I, so I had this mat, and it was a really good one. It was a hundred dollar one because I figured if I'm going to be standing, I want to stand on a good mat. Yeah. Um, and I was not used to wearing my shoes since I was at my own house. I would just uh, you know wear socks and stand on the mat. But I one day I had put my shoes on for something and then came to my desk and and just stood in my shoes and I discovered that my feet actually feel better standing with the shoes. Um, so, oh, okay. So I don't use the mat much anymore. Um, I just stand on my shoes, so to speak. <laughs> Everybody stands sense. on their shoes, yeah. I guess. <laughs> in your own feet, in your uh, you stand in your own feet is I think what the saying is. Uh, have you seen these things called anti fatigue bars or like boards that are uh, bowed so that you can rock on them left, right, you know, and back and forward. Mm-mm. And so I saw this YouTuber, he was promoting his, his standing desk material, his, uh, setup, and he just got one of these boards and it was a few hundred dollars, but he really liked it and it yeah. let his feet do something so he could be at ease. It's actually bowed kind of like a, um, one of those extra wide, 
uh, monitors that, you know, uh, curved, curved monitors, but it's a board that doesn't have wheels. It just, it's bowed so that you can rock on it in various directions and gives your feet something to do while you're standing. But I found one uh, a lot cheaper. I found one actually for $70 on Amazon. It's in my uh, save for later list. So I'm thinking about it. Okay. Send, uh, send me a link to that. I'll, uh, I'll throw it in the show notes. Sweet. Uh, what kind of a desk did you get? You can throw a link to that in the show notes too. Or in the- yeah, well, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to recommend a thing until I have used oh, it. Of course, of course. But I'll, I'll throw it out there. It is called F- Feasibo Height Adjustable Electronic Standing Desk with Double Drawer 48 by 24 inch stand up table with storage shelf, sit and desk with splice board, black frame, <laughs> okay, rustic okay. brown All right. top. All right. You're, I, I can't, I can't even. <laughs> But it, I, it, yeah, basically, it's a Fizbo. I, I, I don't know what they are. Maybe they're uh, European. So I'm looking at it here on Amazon, and it has, if I'm looking at the right thing, it has um, presets and an electronic adjustable height. Yes, um, musts yeah. for me. Yeah, I, I. So obviously, it would have been cheaper for me when I bought my desk to get the crank, you know. But then I, but my problem with the crank is not. It's not that I'm lazy and that I'm. I'm like, oh, I have to sit there and crank it. It's that I am a perfectionist, Joe, <laughs> and I want to have presets so that my desk is at the exact heights that I set it at for when I'm sitting and when I'm standing. Yeah, makes total so, sense. Yeah, so that's why I went with the more expensive option of having the motor. And I'm, I am worried, of course, the motor will give out, but it's, I've had it for three years. Well, I can, I'm on Amazon right now. I can find out. I can do a search for my desk and just see uh, what comes up here. Well, Yeah, maybe. there are more expensive standing desks. This one was great because it has that extra tier to raise my IMAX display. You know, I just even when I'm sitting down, I have – one of those um, extra tiers so that it it basically makes cubbies underneath that you can throw some papers into or maybe your uh, audio interface, maybe some spare drives. But it just raises the iMac because the iMac is just too short. It's, it's too low. Mm-hmm. And I do love it that it has the presets. I got a finish that looks like a rustic uh, tabletop and black legs and... It, it, it was nice too that it has some cable management in the back oh, already yeah. that came with it, as well as um, one of those hooks that you can screw into the underbelly, the underside, and you can hang a backpack on it or your headphones. Interesting. You think you'll use that? Yeah, I think I will because I have two sets of headphones on a regular basis at the desk. The wired monitoring headphones that I only use at the desk, and then. If I stop for lunch, if I'm just listening to some music on the AirPods Max, I'll sit it on my uh, – actually, I have one of those stands for headphones on the desk. But I only have one stand, and Hmm. I have two sets of headphones. So I'll also use the hook underneath. Interesting. Yeah, I'm sending you a link to the desk that I got. Um, I ordered it on uh, November 7th, 2017. And I paid uh, $556 for it. So not a cheap desk, but um, I figured if I'm going to be working from home all the time, I need a good one. Yeah, uh, it is currently brand, yeah. It is currently not being sold. Uh, I'm sure there's a newer version of it, but um, yeah, I'm I'm looking at your I, – I assume you got the rustic brown on your Feasbo? Feasbo? Yes, Feasbo. Yeah, that, that looks really nice. Mine is a darker wood color. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I uh, desks are an interest of mine. 
the the interestingly that you'd mentioned the cable management mine also had like this plastic cable management rail underneath and i do have some cables in it but mostly i've had to ignore it because it doesn't work very well oh okay <laughs> see that's what i'm afraid of too so if i have to i'll break down and buy a few more accessories and screw something up i watched you know if this is a topic of interest there's gobs of excellent how-to videos on youtube from people who have managed their cables for example you know those little like a stick on um uh wire holders that you can put on the underbelly to just hold the wires up because sure. one side is sticky and the other side you can like uh poke the wire through and it'll just hold it there yeah this guy had one good idea where he occasionally wants to have a lightning cable at the desk to charge his phone, but he doesn't always need it and he doesn't want it draping across the desk. <laughs> so what he does is he has it on the back of his desk on the side of it so that he can shove the lightning cable back and down and then the whole cable can go away. And then it's just recessed down to the the knobby thing that holds his wire on the back of the desk. So when he wants to pull out that lightning cable, he just pulls it back up. Uh, and if you can understand that, you're doing really well tonight with your imagination. No, I don't understand it at all. But I'm sending you a picture, and I'll try to remember to drop this in the show notes as well. Um, that, that will probably freak you out because I, I I like good cable management, but I find that it just it's almost more than I can. Like I, I just can't get it to do it, be cable managed all the time, and I have better things to do. Um, <laughs> so this picture that I'm sending you is my uh, not in inton in power, um, my power tower, and it's just got cables that drape off it, eyes, lightning cables and charging cables and things. So. <laughs> what does the inton tower do? Um, oh, it just in-ton? it's a inton. So on that side that you see in the picture, um, right? USBs. It's right next to my. It's the USB ports, and then the other two sides are power ports, uh, like, you know, uh, US 110 uh, power. Okay, so it is a... uh, It's a power tower. Yeah, it's a power tower and a USB (laughs) hub. Yes, yeah. Um, Does it actually collect data? Can that... Oh, no, no, no. Okay. No, it's just... It's it's only power. I'll... um, uh, it looks like it is currently unavailable as well. See, when did I buy this? Uh, September 28, 2019. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, it's not. It's 2019, but uh, I'll I'll drop a link to this in the show notes. And uh, uh, yeah, anyway, that was, this was not even in the outline of, of the um, of the show of our document, and yet here we are talking about all this desk stuff. It's awesome. Uh, the interesting thing about this tower, and, and then we'll move on. But um, I I really only have one electric thing plugged into it off on the uh, left side of it. And you, do you see the buttons at the top, the power buttons that turn that side on or off? Mm-hmm. So my lamp is plugged into it, and so that has become – and my lamp is actually – it is a, um, a, a floor lamp, and oh. then it has a lamp also coming off to the side. So it's like this this reading lamp attached to the floor lamp, but I just point – I point it at the wall. Anyway, so that has become my button to turn my, my lamp on yeah. or off so I don't have to reach up and do both. Um, so anyway, these things that that you work around with, um, anyway, I'll put all this in the show notes if if people are interested in our setups and and interested in their desks and my, our desks and things like that. Yeah. I'll be sure to follow up what my impressions are of the desk when I get it and put it together. Even just the chore of putting your desk together. I, I'm not a big fan of, uh, assembling furniture. I always manage to put together oh, the first three pieces backwards. And then I get to the very end and I have to disassemble it to get back to that third piece. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, for, um, for Christmas, uh, Rachel and I got for ourselves a, um, a kitchen Island 
And uh, of course, we ordered it from Amazon because we're not really going anywhere, and they didn't really have any that I wanted at Lowe's anyway. And so I ordered it from Amazon. It's a great, we love it, but it was, it came in this, you know, it's a big, it's a kitchen island and it's this big boxy thing, right? Well, it came in this very flat box. <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. I forgot. We're going to have to assemble that baby. And so that's what I did, but it, it, you know, it was, it wasn't too bad. And I've learned, uh, not very manly of me or whatever, but I've learned to uh, follow the directions. <laughs> Because yeah. of the um, – yes, the first three pieces are together, but then the rest of it won't go with it because we didn't put it together right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. We, we got an island too and uh, I, that was a day, uh, actually a week I was just super busy. So my wife put it together for us and uh, that was great for our relationship. So. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being serious or not. <laughs> no, no. It was amazing. The uh, That uh, cart put, uh, slash island is all in one piece and it looks really good. And she liked putting it together. It was different for her because I usually build everything around here. So yeah, it was fun. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's interesting. I, I mean, different relationships work different ways. I can't imagine my wife putting together the island. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's funny. Uh, shall we talk about some other things like, uh, for instance, this um, Apple Watch iPhone unlock um, to get around this whole mask thing? Joe, have you ever been out and about? And they make us wear masks these days everywhere we mm-hmm. go. Yeah. And so with these iPhones, and especially since I got my iPhone 12 mini, which I still love very much, but it does not have any way to unlock it with your fingerprint like all of my previous phones have had, uh, starting with the 4S. Yes, that's right, the 4S. And so... Um, I have to resort to entering my six-digit passcode, which I I know. Give me the lecture. You know, my my boss is going to talk to me about how it should be an alphanumeric passcode. I get it, but like, it's so inconvenient when I have a mask to sit here, and especially if I'm at Walmart and I'm like, okay, I'm going to swipe up, and then I'm going to go to my to-dos. Oh, well, I swiped up, and it won't unlock, Joe. It won't unlock because my mask is on, and I'm at Walmart trying to get supplies, and I'm trying to get to my supply list to see what else I need, and it won't unlock. And I got to, oh, and I'm I'm usually juggling a few things, and I got my hands full on one. I'm trying to unlock with one hand i'm typing in my passcode it's, it's just a mess it's it's just a mess yep i faced i faced the worst scenario just like that today where we were <laughs> we were getting out of the car and it's it's 37 degrees out oh i have the keys in the same hand with my phone and yes. I'm carrying a, a great big like 20 pound bag in the other hand closing the car door trying to walk across the parking lot with you know cars coming both ways and i'm wearing those um like touchscreen thermal uh, oh, gloves yes. and on top of that your phone is bigger than the car you're driving <laughs> Yeah. And, and so I'm a klutz with gloves on anyway, and I'm trying to use the touchscreen part of my thumb and my index <laughs> finger, and I could not get all the six uh, the digits worst. in of the passcode. It's the worst. The worst. Yes. Yeah, so this feature that I, I – my first question is how – why – okay. Well, actually, my first reaction is thank the Lord – that yeah. This is coming. Your iPhone, your when, as long as your uh, watch is unlocked and attached to you, um, you're and it's in proximity to your phone. Uh, when you turn this feature on in the upcoming version of iOS, then it will unlock the phone, and that is great. Uh, thank the Lord. My, yeah. But my second question is. Why did this take so long? How long have we been wearing masks out and about? And 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 we have these phones that Apple has said we don't need Touch ID anymore. It's the Face ID is good enough. And all of a sudden we started wearing masks and Face ID doesn't work. And and our watches have been unlocking our Macs, which I also love. 
uh, since I got my Apple Watch, I've had it unlocking my uh, my desktop Mac, which has no other form of ID other than typing a password. So it's great. I get down in the morning to my desk and I hit the control key, which is my habit. It's the key I know that will wake it up but won't do anything to the computer. Oh, yeah. And I hit the control key and it immediately unlocks and wakes up and it's ready to go because it's – and my, my watch taps me on the wrist and says, hey, I unlocked your computer for you. I'm like, great. So why did this take so long Why to bring this to the phone? This is great. It is hilarious, especially since they could have introduced this with, uh, you know, version one of iOS 14. It, it should have come out on launch day. It, it, doctors were complaining. Nurses were complaining. You know, everybody was saying how frustrating this was. And imagine all the professionals that had to use their phone on a regular basis, plus masks. You're like, we are oh, complaining yeah. because we have to do it just on occasion. But <laughs> there were people that were saying, I'm going to have to leave iOS about this. I, I have to oh, go find now. another, you know, I'm going to have to use an Android because I have oh, to use goodness. something where I can do something else. Like a Touch ID. Imagine using Touch ID in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I just don't understand. This this is such a great idea. Now you um you had a question I think about um mm-hmm. why, why is this so first of all you have to turn it on manually in the settings which this is still a beta so maybe that won't be the case when the, when it's out of beta. It but you, be. so you're like why isn't it not the default? But then the second thing is that you're you're questioning uh if if your iPhone unlocks and you didn't want it to unlock you can tap the button to relock it. But right. that's but that's just the way Face ID works, right? Like when you raise up your phone and it immediately unlocks, but if you didn't want it to un- be unlocked, you just tap the sleep button again. Yeah, well, that the sleep button doesn't say on it, you tap me to relock your phone. There's nothing on the screen, is there, that actually says like tap the let – me, let me give it a shot right now. So on my phone for science, it's unlocked. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing – there's no like – arrow pointing here press your 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 sleep button in order to relock your phone but i mean is that really necessary like we all know when you put your phone to sleep it's locked yes so so that is kind of one of the areas uh, gray areas let's say where on the watch right after the phone has been unlocked it, there's a, a physical button, well, not physical button. There's a button on the screen that says, you know, tap this to relock the phone. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. So it's oh. just kind of odd that that would actually appear as part so of the interface I sus- experience. I suspect the reason that exists. The, the, now, now, bear with me in this scenario, Joe. Mm-hmm. Let's say that I left my phone in the kitchen and a child picked it up. I'm not saying this has ever happened to me, but maybe it has. <laughs> I left my phone in the kitchen, and a child picks it up. And, of course, it's raced awake, so when they pick it up, it comes on. And your watch is close enough. You're in the same house or whatever, and the phone unlocks, and suddenly the child can start messing around. And if you are not near your phone and the phone unlocks, and you, you can just raise, you can just see it on the watch, you go, oh, no, 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 and you click lock, and the child is locked out. Okay, I suspect that's what that feature all. is. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but what struck me as odd is that when they – talked about face id the last time they did at an apple event and they were showing off how it worked the latest edition they were explaining that it learns your different hairstyles it learns if you grow a beard and then if you cut it off it learns if you're wearing your sunglasses or not and it knows if you just woke up or if this is the middle of the day and you're wide awake and your face has been cleaned so it can tell these differences in your appearance and I figure, okay, a face mask is a deal breaker. It's covering up, what, maybe 60% of your face. But isn't it still able to read things like my eyes and my eyebrows, my forehead? 
And, and so I, if, you, well, if you have that much information, then doesn't it know the difference between me or the children picking up the phone on the other side of the house? Yeah, I don't know. I guess the, the the only thing I can figure, I have wondered, like, why is it so hard to get Face ID to recognize your eye? Like, there's enough, you would think there's enough facial features because you and I can recognize people without with the mask on, you know, yeah. unless it's a, yeah. unless it's, I don't know. Normally, I don't have any problems recognizing. So you would think there'd be enough features available um, that on the face that it would be able to recognize and, and do that. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I, I really just don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh, baby steps, TJ. Got to take one date at a time. Maybe, uh, maybe we get this to work. And then in iOS 15, Apple says, well, the reason that we didn't really care to find a solution for this problem at all was that the, the iPhone 13 is going to get touch ID too. So that is a rumor. It's not in our show document, but there is a rumor mm-hmm. of in-screen touch ID coming to an iPhone, which I think would be great. I would, I would welcome that. Um, I, my, as I've mentioned before, my, uh, one plus seven T had both. Um, it had a, uh, face ID, which worked fine. Uh, but in those cases where the face ID wouldn't work, it had touch ID. And in fact, I touch ID because when you raise it to wake and you you just put your thumb right there uh, and it just unlocks and you're at the home screen, it was just a natural thing. So that was my primary way of using that phone. And I, I still think face ID is fine. And when it works, I don't notice it because I'm just doing the swipe up motion and I'm at the home screen and it's already seen my face. The, yeah. the watch, I'm always wearing my watch. So that's going to make it even more seamless when it can't see my face. It, the watch unlocks it when I swipe up and that's going to be great. But um, just as easy would have been to put a in-screen uh, touch ID, uh, and I I would I would welcome that. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you want to move on to anything else? Well, so we have Joe's accessories corner. Do tell. Yes. Yeah, so as it turns out, I have more accessories. TJ, last week we were talking about what was it? Um, not mouse pads and mice, which we'll get to eventually, I'm sure. But we were mice's, talking about mice's, mouses. Yeah. We were talking about the standing wallet for my phone and the new phone case, and I got a few more. So one of the things I have cared a lot about, TJ, has been a good desk keyboard. Mm. Do you have any preferences? Do you have an ergonomic keyboard or something like that? I don't. And for many years, I used an Apple um, half-size keyboard with no number pad, which I initially hated. But then when I tried to go back, I found that I had gotten used to the mouse being close to my keyboard. Mm. Um, and I couldn't uh, – now, now it feels like my mouse is really disjointed and away from me if I do a numeric keypad. So that's out. So I've been using a, um, a Apple keyboard. But recently, I put on my Christmas wish list a keyboard I thought I would like. And I do love this keyboard a lot. And the main feature of it, it's a, it's a chiclet-style keyboard, a little bit more travel than Apple keys, but I like the way it types. And the main feature that I like about it, the reason that I wanted it, is it swaps the function and control keys because I use uh, control C a lot, which is control interrupt, uh, or it's the interrupt signal in the terminal. And I'm a developer, so I spend some time in the terminal. And I was forever, I can't quite find the control key because that's where the function key is. And now I just know it's the last key on the row and it's really great. And I never use the function key, so I don't care where it's at. Um, yeah. So <laughs> the long winded way of saying I have an Artec keyboard. Very nice. Very nice. So I had this wired, uh, mechanical keyboard in black in the Ninja. It's actually what it was called the Ninja version of the keyboard by Majest touch. And it was, um, I think it was clear switches 
the it was really good. It was missing the numeric pad. So it was what do they call that? The ten keyless version. Ten keyless, I believe, is the correct. Yeah. And it was really nice. I could fly on that thing. It was the full size too, where it would be wise to have a wrist rest, but I didn't use one and I didn't get any fatigue from it. I actually would get more RSI issues from using chiclet keyboards, Apple's magic keyboards. And the biggest offender is Apple's own magic mouse. So I have one of those. I love it. I love its sleek design. I love scrolling on that thing. But to hold it to get any graphic design done or video production, I got to do a lot of left and right swiping. And it's it's tedious enough that it was clearly fatiguing and cramping up my right hand. There, there, there is a uh, dating app joke in there about the swiping left or right, but I'm not going to go yeah. for it. Yeah, let's not do that. <laughs> So, but so what I did is I discovered mechanical keyboards and the Logitech MX. Uh, a Logitech MX Master mouse are really good for eliminating all of my hand crampings and and then also um, just being a pleasant keyboard to use and improving my accuracy, making it more fun to work. I love the feel of these devices. But then it, I, I TJ, I just kind of woke up one day a few weeks ago and realized. You know, I'm six foot four. I've got big hands and long arms. I wear a men's. And you're very, very tall. Yeah, I wear a men's uh, tall, large, or is it large, tall? I think it's TL. And I realized, you know, I should have the numeric keypad as well because I use apps like Keyboard Maestro, where the more keys you have on the board, the more special commands you can customize and use for any number of reasons. So I was using um, the caps lock key with a, as a modifier to where if you press the modifier key, it is the same as holding down shift, control, option, and command together. Oh, my word. Which is really powerful because otherwise you do, you're not using caps lock. And so I can hold down shift and press another key or control or option or command or a combination of those four or just hold down caps lock and it's as though I'm holding down all the above. And then I can press any other key on the board and something happens uh, across the Mac in all the interface, all the apps or something specific to an app. So I like to launch apps by holding down control command and then pressing a alphabetical, alphabetical letter. So to open Safari, I hold down control command S and that opens Safari. And then as I'm hopping to and from multiple apps that are all open, I don't even use the uh, multi-app switcher interface anymore where you would like hold down command and press tab to open up. Oh man, that is like pop-up. muscle, that is like years of muscle memory for me. Exactly. Well, well, what I'm doing, I used to do that, but now what I'm doing is I'm just uh, banging down control command B to go to brave control command I to go to finder control command E to go to spark. And you can remember all those and it's muscle memory for you. Yeah. Not even to mention uh, window management using something like moom. And And what do you do if you're on a computer that doesn't have that? I don't have that. I, so I have a, a MacBook Pro, and I use that when I am occasionally working out on the porch or on the uh, the couch. And I just make sure that I have the the same keyboard maestro setup on that MacBook Pro, and I mm. get by. The, the now here's the trade off though is that by expanding to a new keyboard, TJ, I'll tell you what I got in a minute. But what I wanted to get was the 
the keyboard with no keys missing. So giving me the numeric pad. And I'm not really tapping in a lot of numbers for numbers sake. I wanted to expand it so that I could just customize some more keyboard shortcuts. So, so you basically, you wanted the number pad because you want, you, you didn't have enough keys on, on your existing keyboard. Yeah. So I, I uh, use, um, Adobe Premiere Pro, for example, to edit a lot of audio productions uh-huh. and I can hold down, uh, the control key and press three to just lower the decibels by negative three for a clip. Or I can hold down shift control and press three. And it because of a quiet part of the audio clip, I can just boost it up. And this is See, an example when I don't want compressors, I don't want multi-band compressors, but I still need to manipulate the audio for effect. Um, and, and so there's little examples like that where all these various keyboard commands can just pile up. Man, to me, that is just so much cognitive overhead to remember all these keyboard shortcuts. And I don't know. I guess if Muscle you memory, I yeah. guess if you use You're them every it. day, but like if you did, you add them one at a time and, and, and then just learn them or because like I feel like yeah. if I added all those keyboard shortcuts, then I would never remember them. Yeah, and I'm with you there. What I found was this was a long series of growing keyboard shortcuts. And years ago, it probably began with an app like Moom, but I don't even remember where the journey began anymore. But it was an example where they encouraged you to create keyboard shortcuts. And I experimented with apps like Automator, but never got into it. And I only started using Keyboard Maestro last year. But anywhere in the interface, TJ, that across apps like multiple web browsers having different keyboard commands to do the same things like create new tabs or close tabs um, uh, or that sort of thing, I wanted them to all share the same keyboard commands. So I was going into the keyboard settings under system preferences and telling Safari and Chrome and Firefox, I want you to do all the exact same things. If I create a bookmark, I want it to be command D everywhere I go. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have this weird, maybe it's just me, but purist? I have this weird, weird thing. <laughs> no, no, it's not a purist thing as much as it's a, I want to learn things the way they are. And I want that to be the way they are so that there's transferable skills. And I don't have to have this massive setup that I carry everywhere. And, and that sort of thinking with, I've made exceptions of, uh, as a developer, I have some shortcuts in my IDE. That's a integrated development environment. Um, that, that I also, so I make these sh- keyboard shortcuts the same in Sublime, in P- PHP Storm, and as, as much as possible. But for the most, and they're very, but they're very few of them. Um, for instance, in most, in PHP Storm, go to line, I think is control G. That doesn't make sense to me. I want it to be, uh, see, and, and it's muscle memory. I think it's command shift L that I've mapped it to, but, but like, I just, I make very few tweaks for the most part. I want it to be a vanilla experience yeah. because what happens if, if I just, I can't like I'm on somebody else's setup. I don't know. I don't know. I, and I think maybe this comes from the days when I was a final cut editor working on, and I couldn't guarantee that I'd be working on the same computer every day because we had our yeah, projects on hard yeah. drives and we had three or four computers in the office and somebody, so-and-so needed the powerful computer. So I got to go edit on the, the less powerful computer. But if, but if the powerful computer is available, I'm definitely going to be on it, you know, and like just 
making sure that my skills were – because I initially started customizing Final Cut's keyboard shortcuts, but those didn't really transfer. Like I had to make sure I brought them with me, and I did. I kept them yeah. on, a hard drive, on a hard drive, but like for the most part, I wanted it to be stock vanilla keyboard shortcuts and that sort of thing. So it's probably just a, a tick of mine, but I, I just – it. I, I want my skill set to be – vanilla and well, i think you, know you would be right i think you would be right i thought the same way a few years ago then i was introduced to some guys that explained how in adobe premiere pro for various kinds of cuts and editing on the fly really quick to make a good draft of a video for any purpose like maybe it's a documentary or maybe you're cutting together ads or you're doing a youtube channel there's a few keyboard commands that Everybody uses because they come with the app, standard issue, mm-hmm. sure. and they're powerful. But then these uh, these creators realized, wait a minute, if we just cr- created like four more keyboard commands, which Adobe Premiere Pro lets you do right from their own keyboard shortcuts uh, sure. menu, yeah, of course. then in combination with these other existing keyboard commands with the left hand, we can fly through an edit. We can edit so, so fast. And it, they became so popular that several people have made videos about these commands. And more and more Adobe Premiere Pro editors are using them all the time. And, and I swear by them. They, I, w- I wouldn't imagine editing in Premiere Pro anymore without the combination of the default key commands as well as the custom ones. But I'm guessing that those are a preset that you can download right from the website where they talked about it. Uh, you know, probably, but I didn't even bother to look at them. I just went ahead and punched them in myself. And I'm in there anyway all the time. For example, because in Premiere Pro, you can color label clips and markers. And if you want to do this, you would just like press the M key and now you have a marker. If you wanted to change the color of the, uh, the element in the video project, you would have to use the mouse, use right. the yeah. right, click, right click, go down yeah. the menu, find mm-hmm. the sub menu, and then choose the color cerulean. But that that's so tedious. So um, nobody else is doing this that I'm aware of, but it's right there in front of us. I'm, I created keyboard commands for all of the colors, so I can press the option key and L, and I've changed the, the element on the timeline to green. And uh, the L stands for green because it stands for lime. You know, TJ, when I think of lime, <laughs> I think green. And so the letter uh, L. See, to me, com- command L, to me, command L is go to line in my text file. Um, I never, I, I, I'm not saying I didn't assign keyboard shortcuts in Final Cut Pro and then later Adobe Premiere. I'm just saying I tried to keep it like a really light touch. And yeah, I, I, I feel, instead I've learned, gone off the deep end. I'm definitely yeah. off the deep end on the keyboard shortcuts yeah. now. Like, for instance, ripple delete, when you're, especially when you're doing a rough cut, is, is, a, is a, uh, a delete that you use a lot in an, in an editing project. At least I did when I was doing a rough cut or something like that. <laughs> and so I just learned what the keyboard shortcut was for that and, and not to create my own. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's different ways about this. But, I mean, I mean, the good thing is, I suppose, uh, what you could do is you could have a flash drive of your keyboard presets, uh, your keyboard maestro files, your Adobe Premiere keyboard shortcut files, and carry that around with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do use Adobe's Cloud Sync, so supposedly mm. it works and it gives it to me all the time. I do find that it does mess up some of the customization. I don't trust it. 
I, I, when I was still an Adobe uh, Clouds uh, subscriber uh, for their Creative Suite Cloud, whatever, Creative Cloud Suite, what, what do they call it these? I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, until I kicked it to the curb, I was trying to use the sync, and their sync is awful. It's awful. It never works right, and it never syncs right. It's, it's almost as bad as Mac remembering the desktop picture that you had last when you reboot. <laughs> not quite that bad but almost (laughs) so i'm going to throw in a link into our outline here for utj of my my new keyboard this is the keychron k1 108 key mechanical keyboard and it is um, unclear from just looking at the pictures from the top down but it is a slim profile mechanical keyboard so the switches are special that they are extra shallow and they still function essentially the same way that mechanical key switches do, even down to the fact that, that you can pick ones like the you can choose to use brown switches or clear switches or red, mm-hmm. you know, right? The various but, t- key switch types, but they are extra shallow, so they're they're roughly like forty five percent the depth of the regular switches, and they feel really good. The board looks good; it's got custom color to it, and you have things like a white backlit uh, unib- aluminum body board, or you can also use an RGB backlight. And mm-hmm. I went with a white because I'm sensible, and it, it does a bunch of flashy patterns to it you know, for effect, but I, I turned it all off. I, and my room is never so dark that I need to stare at the lights on my keyboard. <laughs> I really am. I despise l- keyboard lighting. Uh, I don't mind a little, like like Apple's laptops. This is just a little bit of subtle white light, and it is nice if you're in a dark room. But like I'm talking about like the neon and the, the various like gamer lighting on your keyboards. I just, yeah, it's so gaudy. Ugh. And this board can do that if, especially you got the RGB version. I, I saw some videos where it, it looks like. Fruit loops underneath your keyboard are just lighting up the board. It's it's a mess. <laughs> uh, but you don't have to do that. Uh, you can be sensible and turn it all off and just use the board like a sane person. And these switches feel really good. It's a decently priced mechanical keyboard. And it's great, too, because a lot of uh, keyboards are PC keyboards. They They have the Windows key. But... Keychron does specialize in giving people what they want. You can get the Mac version or the PC version. So I've got the actual appropriate layout with control, option, and command. My last board had the Windows key. Yeah, my current keyboard that I was talking about earlier has a Windows key uh, where the Alt key is, or the Option key is supposed to be, and the Alt key where the Command key is supposed to be. So of course I've remapped those, but as, as you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I never, I, I never look at my keyboard, so I don't care what, what it says. I just need the keys to be in the right place. Yeah, that's how I felt too. And um, but yeah, so remapping was much more important than what it looked like. So uh, highly recommend Keychron keyboards. And when I realized that I uh, TJ, I developed um, an interest in improving my typing speed this year. Mm-hmm. I was watching a YouTuber, Ali Abdal. He has videos occasionally where he talks about typing and his keyboard setup. And in one of his more recent ones, he was talking about how he types 150 words per minute. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even think that fast. No, I, I don't either. <laughs> so <laughs> I was blown away and I thought, this is hilariously bad. I'm about to turn this off. When he explains that he just basically practices for 10 minutes a day for the last 10 years. 
And that's well, really all there was to it. What do you think we're all doing it. using computers, though? We, we practice all the time, all day. I mean, I'm typing all day long. And, and I think the difference here is, is that it's like, um, it, it would be like if you were given the, a competition, you gamify learning to type faster, then you're motivated to increase your speed. It's a, lot, mm. it's a lot like the way that people play video games and you're learning combos with various moves on the controller. And if you're f- playing a fighting game and in order to use this special combo to do a one-two punch of the guy you're trying to beat, you've got to be fast and do the commands on the D-pad and the joystick and the buttons. And it, it's a great big mess, but you got to know the combo really fast so that you're faster than the other guy. I think that that's what the appeal is for some of the nerds that want to get to some insanely high words per minute count. I'm pretty happy with my 70 WPM. Well, see, you're you're ahead of me because when I started doing this in Janu- at the beginning of January, I was averaging about 58 words per minute. Um, not crazy about that. And so I bookmarked the websites that Ali Abdal referenced in his video where he was saying this is the site he uses to practice. And they're really easy to use. And I like them. So I figured I never do this, TJ. I, I don't make goals for the year, resolutions and the like. But this is one time when I felt like breaking my own rules. And I, I made a resolution that I'm going to... Hmm push myself as much as I can to reach a hundred words per minute by the end of the year. Yeah. I think my, my challenge with a hundred words per minute would, would not be the typing. I think I can type because I, I forced myself when I was 19 years old to, I, I hated typing in high school. I didn't learn it. But then I, I realized when I realized I had made a huge mistake, the computers were my life. I forced myself to learn to touch type and I'm really good at it. My problem is not the typing and the, the dexterity. My problem is thinking that fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I've maxed out because I can't think faster than 70 words per minute. Well, in, in my case and probably your case too, a lot of our typing is repetitive stuff where we're naming That's true. files and sure. we want to use the same format we always use. And when we want to write a stream of six or seven words, and they're they're very much the same thing day in and day out plus the date. I just want that to be done as fast as I humanly can spit it out so I can get back to something else besides correcting a typo for the date and the name of a file then forgetting about <laughs> it and leaving it in the finder that way. Yeah. Um, so um, there's that. Highly recommend you challenge yourself to improve your words per minute because I just realized, you know, uh, TJ, I, I'll probably never read faster, but I probably can type faster and save a ton of time. So I'm excited to try and, uh, persevere. Um, okay. So moving on, the other thing in accessories corner is I found a MagSafe car mount charger. TJ, you have the Belkin version, do you not? But it doesn't charge. It's just a mount. No, no, it charges. It does. Okay. So is it yes. like you plug in to charge or does it? Is yeah, you plug in a USB-C. It plugs into USB-C, which I already had in my car. So I plugged it in, and away we go. And it, um, uh, I, So the charger itself plugs into USB-C. Your phone charges through MagSafe. Um, so you, st- you stick it on there, and it charges right up. 
What I don't like about these that I got is, and I I'm, I think it looks like this may solve that problem. Uh, what I don't like about it is it just has the ring. It doesn't have the bottom magnet for the uh, for the twist stability. And so as you're driving, sometimes the phone will will tilt, yes. especially if you go around a corner or something. And this has the magnet on the bottom to make that not happen. And so I think I, it looks like I might like these better. What I don't like about what I see in the one that you linked to is I don't think I like the um, the mount into the vent. I don't think it would be as stable as the one I have. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the mount itself. And you do have options like you could uh, sold separately. There is a mount that is uh, the base of it is a suction cup. And on a previous, I don't want that. yeah, I'm not a big fan either. And then there is also the the CD drive slot version that i had on a previous mount and you can actually just take a a couple of parts apart and use the cd slot type with this fascinating it worked just fine and because it's like a ball and socket and the ball on one mount is the same as the ball on the other by another brand so Funny, funny story. Um, mm-hmm. The CD player in our van uh, actually gets used because, believe it or not, a lot of homeschool stuff that my kids listen oh, to, yeah. the and 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 the various Bible memory stuff comes on CD. And so, my wife has CDs that we have in the car. I know it's twenty twenty one, but we still have CDs. So yeah. can't really use a CD mount there. And my car doesn't have a CD player or a tape player. I put in right after we got the car an aftermarket. The only thing I wanted to be able to do was to plug in. A, a headphone jack to my iPod at the time. And so I got a stereo that was about $300 aftermarket with just the auxiliary input and no tape or CD. So that those options are out for me. Yeah. I, I get that too, because we have a screen on my Hyundai Elantra and this is right below the CD slot. So I put it together. I was using the CD slot for the car mount. And then I realized when I uh, changed the gear to go in reverse that I rely on the dash cam to show me behind the car mm. and where I'm backing up. So I couldn't use the CD slot as it turned out. Wait, so, so I took it you apart. You have a screen, but you don't, mm-hmm. you don't have CarPlay? I don't have CarPlay. Oh, Th- this was like okay. uh, two years before Hyundai started oh. getting CarPlay. <laughs> Aftermarket? <laughs> mm. I thought about <laughs> I thought, it. And I have thought about it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have too. Yeah. So I went back to the vent mount only version. Um, it, it, and, you know, for the website, it, 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 it kind of feels like it's a fake company or, you know, uh, not entirely legit. Luxandluxy.com. Well, especially I'm looking at the webpage and like their <laughs> images are the wrong. So, so like they've got this huge blown up image. It's clearly like... Um, digitally pixelated because it's been blown up too large. Like it, it doesn't look professional. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and all in all, it was not sending the right impression to me either. And, and But I found this consumer-based tech website that I do trust that was recommending these. And so I gave it a shot because of that recommendation. And mm. even the mount itself, the face of it, doesn't resemble the product image on the website. It does, as a whole, function the same. It has the magnet ring as well as the, the magnet beneath it, like you were saying, to keep it its orientation orientation straight yes it's it just the face of it doesn't look like the face of this product at all um 
and, and I'd have to take a picture to, so that you could see. So you're saying it doesn't look like what I'm looking at on the website? No, like the vent mount part functions the same. The the magnets function in the same way, but the face of it, where you set the phone down on, it doesn't look like that at all. It, it so what what good is the product photos then? No, they're they're outdated. I wouldn't be surprised if they were just previs like mockups for what the product might look like at one point. Well, I think you put me off buying this. (laughs) As far as in its daily use, I really like it. I found it to be reliable. My wife likes it too. We've used it for over a week now. And I, I I think that if the company didn't go under and, you know, maybe their orders get canceled, canceled or something because they, they look like they're fake on the internet, then, uh, Best of luck to them. I hope that they can make it and they can get their act together with their website. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not, I'm not buying it if it doesn't look like their product photos. Nope, I'm just not going to nope. support that Don't do nonsense. It. Don't do it. All right, TJ, let's move on. I want to talk about lackluster iPhone 12 mini sales. I swear by my pretty floral bonnet, Joe, that if they discontinue the iPhone 12 mini, that was a Firefly reference, by the way. But if your hand touches metal, I swear by my pretty floral bonnet, I will end you. If they discontinue the iPhone 12 <laughs> mini, I am going to end Apple. I'm going to drive up to Cupertino. I'm going to walk into Tim Cook's office, and I'm going to punch him right in the nose. Come oh, on, what is, ouch. <sighs> well, okay, first of all, I, I don't, this isn't Apple's fault. Why, why are iPhone 12 mini sales lackluster? This is clearly the correct phone, and I don't want a bigger phone than this, and I'm afraid that if the yeah. sales are lackluster, Apple's not going to do it again. Yeah, I um, TJ, I support you 100%. Me and my iPhone 12 Pro are rooting <laughs> you do for not, you. And you your did mini. not support me. You were a traitor. <laughs> I was. You but, are part of the reason why this report is true. But the thing is is I don't get why we can still sell the iPod Touch but we are going to stop the iPhone 12 mini or the 12 well, or the, the next version. To be clear, nobody has said they're going to stop selling the mini. I'm just speculating that if sales are lackluster, that they will stop selling it. The the iPod Touch and I and let me rephrase. I suspect the iPhone 12 mini will quote continue to be a product in their lineup. I just don't think the iPhone 13 I I, I let me rephrase again. I think there's a chance that they will not make an iPhone 13 mini based on this data. Which would be very sad for me. Not that I'm planning on getting an iPhone 13, but then that also means there probably wouldn't be an iPhone 14 mini, which is probably yeah. the phone that I would get next. See, I and think I that just, would be a huge uh, mistake on Apple's part, even though I don't have one. I, I, I don't think that you just sell things because you sold boatloads of them. You sell them because they're a product worth having. Well, I'm a little gun shy with Apple. And, and, and maybe Apple's turning this around because they are... Um, they are turning their attention back to the Mac, but for a long time, the Mac felt pretty lackluster and they weren't keeping up with it. They weren't making new good Mac products because guess what? It sells way under the iPhone. It is, it is not their, the, the Mac, the the Mac line, the Mac business could go away for Apple and it'd barely be a blip on their radar. Yeah. And I, that's why I'm afraid uh, that Apple will take their eye off the iPhone mini ball. And because they took their their eye off of the Mac ball, now they're putting their eye back on the ball there. But like, I'm a little gun shy on this stuff. Apple Apple seems to be more driven by its bottom line than it used to be. And a company that is driven by its bottom line will eventually fail because that is no way to run a company. Uh, I just hope that they don't take away our mini and give us folding phones in its place. That that'd be the biggest slap in the face. I guess I as long as it's done well, I don't mind if the phone folds. I I don't think it's going to happen, but. 
at least not in the near term, but we'll see. Uh, there's just too many problems with the technology right now for the folding touchscreens. Well, see, I just don't understand why there's any utility, any real pragmatic reason to make my fold f- my fold phone my phone fold. Oh, like, come on! If I could fold my phone in half right now, it would take up half the room in my pocket, and it would you know it might be a little bit thicker. The, the yeah, volume is thicker. the same, but like but like think about how the phone sits in your pocket and how it's kind of annoying that it's this big. It spans so much of your leg that it kind of rocks a little bit on your leg back and forth. Like if you could eliminate that, like things that are have less less um they 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 have less uh, surface um will fit in your pocket better. I don't know. I, nah, I, I know that that is uh, in theory the idea, but I think in practice we would disagree because uh, no. Speak, <laughs> like, speak, yeah, I speak can for stack yourself. things in my pocket. Speak for yourself. I I think that it. I, I'm not opposed to it. I, I don't think it's going to happen, and I don't really care. I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's not the, the end of the world. I I I think the bigger end of the world would be losing the mini entirely. So Apple, please, if you're listening to this, and all the other people out there that care about such things, which are many, just maybe not as many as the people who care about the Max. Look, love all your children. Take yeah. care of all of us. You don't uh, you, you don't sacrifice the the <laughs> run to the litter. You take care of Wilbur. <laughs> you raise him up too. I don't know where this is going. All I can tell you is I honestly can't ima- imagine having a bigger phone than this. And I mean, I say that as somebody who did have a bigger phone than this for quite a while. And now when I pick up that phone, it's ginormous. It feels like this huge mo- mountainous thing in my hand. And it's just like, I can't believe I lived with this phone for this long. It's just, it's the, the iPhone 12 mini is the right size and keep making it please. Apple. <laughs> So, um, in other news, uh, more rumors, uh, yeah. Bloomberg reports that Apple is working on thinner and lighter high-end MacBook Air with MagSafe that could launch in the second half of 2021. Now, I'm a little more – this is German. Is, the report is from German. I'm linking to it from Mac Rumors. Um, and I think German usually has good, well-sourced intelligence on most things. I don't think he – always gets the why correct and i don't think he always gets the dates correct so um we'll see about about that he does go on to say or maybe in 2022 i i think this makes sense i think it's time i think apple's strategy and i i forgive me i'd have to go back to the episode and remember what it is that i said in my predictions but i do think it's time for apple to look at redesigning their their laptop line I, I I think that the only reason that we didn't see it yet is because they wanted to do one transition at a time. They didn't want to throw everything out. They wanted they wanted to send the message with the M1 that these are the Macs that you know and love and don't pay no attention to what's behind the curtain. And then once that transition is more underway and people are comfortable with that technology, then we can make a visual transition. That's That's my thinking of what Apple's up to here. Yeah, but what do you think about the idea of just making it thinner and lighter yet again? I I should hope that this is not the true part of the rumor. I think that with Apple Silicon, this becomes more feasible because I think one of the things that was holding them up from doing this more uh, to to heading this direction uh, with more thinner and lighter laptops was Intel. I think that they had reached the limits of what Intel was able to do for them, and they were already having thermal constraints. Their computers, as I noted – I can't remember if we'd started recording or not. This may have been before the show. Uh, you and I talked about how Apple's computers seem, their fans seem to run more and more and more and faster and hotter 
and and it just was a mess. And now the M1, of course, is cool as a cucumber. Um, so I think this does open up doors. What it, of course, if you have thinner and lighter, that means less battery, but maybe the chip will be that much more efficient. We just don't know yet. That all said, so I usually say, I am a fan of saying, I don't want the laptops to be thinner. I'm done with thinner. They're perfect. I don't want them any thinner. However, I said that. I said that back in 2010, and I was just working on somebody's computer putting RAM and and an SSD in, in a 2010 MacBook Pro. That thing feels like a chunk. And I said in 2010 I didn't want them to get thinner. <laughs> and yet I'm picking that computer up now going, it's kind of chunky. <laughs> I, I, I like my thinner MacBook Pro, my 2019 MacBook Pro. So I can go either way on that. I think Apple doesn't need to give it to us thinner. I think that I would be – if they're sacrificing battery, I would be happy with them to stay the same size. So we'll see. What I do want to see from this rumor is I think that Apple's bezels on their computers are starting to become pretty dated because most computers uh, – like even – well, Apple's phones have moved away from bezels. Um, they're, I just think that it's time to start reducing the bezels on the on the computers as well. Yeah, the best idea that we can get for a redesign is, you're right, better on the bezels and don't make the keys any narrower. I think we have learned that mistake from that mistake. Yes, please. And don't short the battery. And if you want to make it thinner, then make it thinner. But you still got to keep those ports. There has to be enough room for all the rumored ports coming back, TJ. Right. So um, remind me, how many ports does the current MacBook Air have? Let me, MacBook uh, Air. I'm guessing one because I know MacBook Pros get two, maybe three. Uh, new two Apple on one MacBook side and then Air. another on the other side of the Come on, MacBook show Pro. me a side shot. Okay, there's two on the left. There's two USB-Cs on the left side. Um, I don't, ah, uh, man. Okay, let me see if I can find Google Mac. M1 MacBook Air, because Apple's product shots are not showing me the right side of the computer, and I have not been in person with a MacBook Air. Um, ah, this it's a little hard to see, but it does not look like there are there is a headphone jack on the right. That's what it is. Okay, um, so you have two USB C ports on the left and a headphone jack on the right. The rumor is that we're going to be going back to MagSafe, and according to the mock-up, which I think is complete and total, totally made up, but the mock-up has a MagSafe and a USB-C on the left, and I assume there's still going to be a headphone jack on the right. Um, we don't know what Apple's going to do here. This is just the mock-up. Um, but I... I like the idea of going back to MagSafe, and this is this Apple doesn't do this very often, so I'm a little skeptical. But walking back something like this, but they did with the keyboard. They had the butterfly keyboard. They they announced it and they talked about how great it was, and the, and that it was the future of keyboards. And then they walked it back, and the new MacBooks uh, all have the um, have gone back to scissor switches instead of butterfly switches, and that's a, a change for the better. So Apple has shown a willingness to walk back to these sorts of decisions. I think. This is pure speculation on my part, but I think what we're seeing is a command Z on the the end of the Johnny Ive era. Yeah, I think that I, I think that the butterfly keyboard and removing MagSafe and going only USB C. I think these were all very much Johnny Ive decisions, and nobody was there to tell him no. Um, and I think Command Z is the correct thing to do with, with those decisions because I think they were the wrong decisions. I really very much miss MagSafe. I don't want to lose the ability to charge the computer through USB-C and docking because that's a great feature. But for general use, MagSafe is the far better technology. 
um, for, for charging the laptops. So, well, and it's not just the far better technology. It is the true MagSafe. I, we call the other thing MagSafe that we got for the, uh, well, sure. Now, Apple can call whatever they want MagSafe, but, but yes, the, the, the laptop MagSafe charging, I have a 2015 that has a MagSafe charger and it's great. It's wonderful. And yeah. it's very – you just get that thing nearby and then it just snaps on and starts charging the computer. Yep. So We still have uh, the same thing. I, what, what, what it is is I'm a little skeptical because, you know, Apple – you don't think of Apple as a company who walks back its decisions usually. But, but, but then on the other hand, they have, and I do hope it's true. Yeah. I, I would be happy if they give us anything in the way of the ports back. I don't know that we will get everything back, but no, anything we I do expect get back them, will be a good thing. I expect them to stay with USB-C. So speaking of getting ports back, there's a rumor here from Ming-Chi Kuo, who I think is a little less reliable when it comes to this sort of thing mm-hmm. than German. But he says that the SD card reader is coming back to the MacBook Pro. I call bunk. I don't think so. I'm not I'd be happen. more excited about that personally, but I think you're probably right. No, I don't think so. I think what we're going to get, I do. Th- I want to believe that we're going to get MagSafe back. But I think all the other ports will be USB-C. I think that's it. I think that's as far as Apple's willing to go. Oh, uh, well. Which is, I think is fine. What, what, what is – now, This the, the, the headline is about the SD card reader, but it also says that the new MacBook Pros will be 14-inch and 16-inch, and it will include the return of the MagSafe charging connector and the removal of the touch bar. This would be another walk back, a Command-Z on a Johnny Ive. I think, I think the touch bar was, again, from the Johnny Ive era. And it was, it's a fail. It's a failure. Like even Apple, I think this one I actually can believe is going to happen, even though Apple have to eat some crow because Apple has done nothing with the touch bar. Nothing. It has no new features. It does not do anything beyond what it was announced to do several years ago when it first came out. And it just shows a lack of faith in, in, in the, in the design as a whole. I, I am interested in seeing whatever they do because it does seem like inevitably they are giving it all a redesign this year. And like we were seeing before, even just something like the thinner bezels will be a huge improvement. So I don't know what to say. M1 is much more interesting to me in general than the design features. And I don't think they're going to give us something huge in the way to design. To be honest, TJ, if they wanted to excite me, I would I would want the option to get it and say like a, a matte black finish. Hmm. I'd be more interested in that sort of direction. Well, so Apple, of course, I, I'm staring at my iPhone 12 mini, which has the black anodized aluminum uh, around the edges. They could potentially do something like that with their yeah. MacBook Pro, and I would lick that up. I would buy the black MacBook Pro uh, when I was ready to buy a MacBook Pro, <laughs> not yeah. market, but <laughs> but but I would that that would be the model I would go for if they had it because this is I love the look on my phone and it's it's clearly the best job that Apple has ever done with this because before the um the black on their aluminum products tended to look like it seemed like it was a finish that would scuff off that does not appear to be the case with this iPhone 12 mini it appears to be that's the color of the aluminum so yeah. um yeah it's it's very interesting um I, I would go for that but there's no rumors about that at all yeah just in in terms of rumor roundup here you've got uh uh, you know, what do you all what all you got on your bingo card you got a smaller iphone 13 notch um smaller thinner and lighter macbook air which we talked about um 
Face ID on the uh, iMac, although it's likely pushed back uh, according to this rumor, but it is uh, rumored to be coming along with smaller bezels on the iMac and a, a more of a redesign. We have not seen a redesign of the iMac in a while, and this is where, again, I don't remember exactly what I said in my predictions, but like I did talk about Apple making a display, and I think there's an opportunity here where they would use the same display panels for a display and also make it the iMac. Um, and potentially the case would be a little different because it'd have to accommodate more parts, but maybe not because the M1 parts are, you know, pretty miniaturized already. Um, so they could potentially stick it in the back of that display. I, you know, we'll see what they do here, but this is all exciting to me. The, the thing about the bezels on an iMac I'm looking at mine right now is that they're actually just so huge. They're bigger today than the first generation iPads were. And they looked huge. So there's gobs of real estate up there if they wanted to put yeah. in all of the components of the, the what do we call it? The, uh, the, the, we used to call it the unibrow, but it's the, the camera housing <laughs> where yeah, Face yeah. ID is on yep. the phone. If we wanted to put all of those components up in here so that we could have a, a maybe a better forward-facing webcam than we do today, I know that they just gave us a better one than we had on previous iMacs, but it's, it's still pretty bad uh, compared to the things that people really need to rely on today with Zoom calls and the like. So I'd be happy if, if we're going to keep chunky bezels for any reason, make use of those bezels for some better, more interesting features. Yeah. Well, I think that's our show. Um, if people want to uh, catch up with you, Joe, and talk more about some of the things that you talked about, your your accessories corner, um, yeah. your uh, you know your various things, where, where are they going to do that at? My unique obsessions? Uh, yes. You can find me on Twitter. I am JCS Darnell. And you can find me on Twitter as well. I am TJ Draper Pro. Would love to talk more about Macs and kitchen islands and, uh, you know, all, uh, desks and all that sort of thing. Uh, so find me there. You can find show notes for this episode at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 20. And you will also be able to find them in the podcast app that you are most likely listening to this show on. Just uh, go right into that podcast app and and uh, swipe over there and you'll find the show notes and links to the things that we talked about and all that good stuff. We will talk to you next week. All right, Joe, are you current on WandaVision? Yes, we caught up with the latest episode with the kids just uh, yesterday. Okay, spoiler alert, of course. <laughs> if you have not watched the latest episode of yes, WandaVision, you haven't. go away. Go away. Bye. See ya. We love you, but bye. Okay, now, so, <clears throat> what do you think? I was blown away that they just did a complete bait and switch. It changes the entire approach with the first three episodes. It's not like them at all. It's great, but it is fun that they just said, we don't really care if anybody is lost for the first 10 minutes of episode four. We're going to take this in another direction and you'll just catch up by the end of the episode. And that was a lot of fun. If I hadn't recognized, uh, some of the names like you know monica rambeau uh and i'm like oh 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 this is or or, or when i heard the lieutenant trouble kind of they were because they were giving you hints with that like as she was being unsnapped you know and and you hear uh, lieutenant trouble and you're like oh that's from that's from captain marvel uh i know who that is this is a you know this is from her and if i hadn't heard that i you, you could almost see how i would be like did they 
upload the wrong video file <laughs> to, the, right. to the to the streaming service. Um, I thought the unsnapping we hadn't seen that before. What it looked like when people got unsnapped, I thought that was pretty cool. Special effects, call me a nerd, but but like that was pretty cool to see everybody being pieced back together. Uh, a little yeah. freaky, but. Well, they're um, yeah, also I, introducing so many of the characters, but also reintegrating a lot of the smaller side characters from sure. Thor well, and Ant Man. And, and apparently, uh, Darcy Lewis got her doctorate. She's they're calling her doctor now, Doctor Lewis, um, which is pretty fun. Uh, and I, I, I always thought like that felt like that character got a little bit of short shrift in the movies. So it's fun to see her. Although I have to figure it's it's probably. Uh, less expensive as a TV show to bring on Kat Dennings than it is to go get Natalie Portman. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, you you figure there's some budget at work there, but uh, not not that, again, not that uh, Kat Dennings is is not as good of an actor as Natalie Portman, just that she's not as big of a name. So she commands less money. Um, But I, you know, fantastic. Love, I love her humor. You know, it's, it's really great. And can I can I get that coffee now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I loved this episode, and this this I mentioned that the first and couple of episodes were not turn off is the wrong word, but just sort of like I don't. This is not really the kind of show I would personally choose to watch. Right. This is the Wandavision I want. This is great now, and and as you said, it sort of retroactively changes the way you look at the first couple of episodes, which we knew that sort of thing was coming. It was just in the moment. It was just like ah, at least for me. Um, well, and it's also one of those sort of stories where it hinges so much on the development of a huge mystery of what is going on, what in the world is going on. And once the cat is out of the bag, I think it would not be as compelling for a rewatch. Probably really depends upon things like maybe some pivotal moments that are earth shattering or really character developing between now and the end of this miniseries. Because once the cat is out of the bag, now we know why these things are happening. It's going to be a lot of fun, but it's also not going to be as essential to review in multiple viewings. Right. Well, I think the fun is certainly what they're going for. It just wasn't the type of fun I was into. But I, now knowing where it's going, maybe it'll be easier to rewatch. I don't know. I I did rewatch uh, the third episode because, as I mentioned last week, I had to watch it without Rachel because I had to prep for the podcast and she just hadn't had time to sit down and watch it with me. And so then, uh, yeah, last night when we sat down to watch, she's like, oh, I haven't seen the third episode yet. So I had to rewatch that. And I, I enjoyed rewatching it. There was something different about the third episode that I enjoyed and, and maybe because they gave more hints as to what was to come and I knew where the end of that episode was going where what turns out to be – Geraldine turns out to be Monica Rambeau is thrown out of whatever place they're in. And then, of course, this episode is all about explaining how she got there and what's going on. I thought it was really well done. Very, very well done. It, it tortured the kids when we got to the end of this new episode and it basically leaves you where – we were at the end of episode we're, we're at three. the end of the previous episode. That's right. Yes. This is almost like while that was going on, let's show you what else was happening. And now here we are again. <laughs> and and they, they kind of cheat. I, I want to say they cheated because in the first, I don't know, two thirds of this episode, they were showing how a lot of events were unfolding over multiple days as new quote episodes of the series with WandaVision from Westview's town were aired and they were able to get the feed uh, in the the research. Yeah. Well, what was kind of weird about that was that we don't really have a timeline. And it's not important that they explain the timeline, no, but not. I really want to understand because 
it would be easy for a younger audience to get lost thinking that basically all of the events happen right after the other, the after the other, after the other, so that WandaVision episode one played, and then the next moment the investigators saw episode two in the very next hour, and then so they start going down to try and sneak into the town, and by the end of that, getting into the town, you've got episode three done, and, and, and so it's just like a rapid-fire series of events it, 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 I, I want to believe that if it's more believable there had to be more spans of time yeah well I even got the impression at some point that there were more episodes that we're calling it episodes 1, 2, and 3 but that there were episodes between there that we hadn't yeah. seen yeah. yeah and it's unclear because the, for no apparent reason except that uh, the wh- what did you say that the the researcher's name is again with the doctor Darcy, Darcy, Do- thank Darcy you. Lewis yeah, she's awesome. Um, I, one thing that she pointed out was that episode one's what the fifties, episode two's the sixties, episode three's the seventies. Yeah. So, so we know that those three episodes that they saw represent the same episodes we saw, but it is it does seem implied that just because those are the three episodes that they caught doesn't mean that's all the episodes that occurred. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's that's my point exactly. Yeah. So speculation time. Do you think so? We saw uh, Wanda have a quick like vision, vision, haha, uh, kind of a a a look at Vision, his dead husk and the the stone ripped out of his head. Do we think that was yeah. just her seeing that, or is she animating his dead corpse, or what? What's happening there? And and is he going to stick around? Is is this going to revitalize Vision, or is he still actually dead? I know they're trying to play with us. I oh, hope yeah. that Vision oh, yeah. is back. I hope that they find a way to bring him back, but I'm afraid that they're it, that they're suggesting that it was a permanent thing and Wanda just couldn't live with it that she's trying that, to That is absolutely reality. what they're suggesting, but I also know they're trying to play with us. So, is it as straightforward as it seems? I'm fine with it if it, it is as straightforward as it seems. But yet is Wanda powerful enough? Because one of the things I think we're going to start having a problem with in the MCU, we already have a problem. Well, again, I love Captain Marvel. I love Brie Larson as Captain Marvel, but she's so powerful. They basically had to boot her off screen for the majority of the um, Endgame. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think we have a problem with characters being too powerful in the MCU such that you have to do something to to limit their powers in order to tell good stories. And if Wanda is able to somehow resurrect Vision that puts her in the same category. But it also raises a lot of stakes because now there's this investigation of multiple government bodies here at the town. She's interfered with the lives of everybody in the town. Yeah. So she's she's definitely drawing way too much attention to herself. If we didn't have any of the other movies to go on, and this was our introduction to Wanda, we would sh- say that she was some sort of a bizarre villain because she was obsessed with the dead love interest and she's uh, taken over everybody's lives and stolen a town for her own advantage to have this make-believe. But it doesn't even feel like Wanda. Like, nothing about no, no. Wanda... Well- I would say that mostly she doesn't realize that she's doing it. I think she snapped out of it for a minute when she kicked Geraldine slash Monica Rambeau out of the of the environment. But I think mostly like she's had a psychological breakdown and she doesn't know that it's happening. Um, it could that, be, that's but- my take. 
and and I don't want to think that she's actually the villain because something about this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up with Wanda's character. Nothing about her has suggested that she was obsessed with and grew up with sitcoms from yesteryear. So but, but why we would just she? Don't, we, I, I don't know that we would know have enough information about her to know that. And in fact, uh, one one thing that's interesting is. Um, uh, I have some friends uh, from foreign countries who, um, I when I talk to them, I was like, "How you know?" Because they they'll come for conferences here. That's where I've met them. Is a conference that I host, I help put on, and they'll come for that conference. And um, I was like, "How you know?" For one thing, you, like your your American is really your English is really good and sounds almost American. Like I can barely detect an accent. Like you know a lot about our culture. Like where did you find out about these? Oh, in our country, they constantly play American TV shows. So I could see something like that for her, right? Because she's from uh, – uh, is, she, is she from Sokovia? I can't remember. But she's not from the United States, right? Um, right. And so I could see how maybe she, they were doing a bunch of reruns of those sitcoms and she really likes that. Like that seems very real to me yeah. given my experience. I, 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 we got the impression watching Age of Ultron that she was just a a prisoner and a lab rat in the grooming for Hydra. Her father was Polish. He and his parents were in the Nazi concentration camps dur- during the war because he was discovered to be a mutant and eventually grows up to be Magneto. <clears throat> X-Men lore stuff. Well, yeah. Uh, his his children, the twins, are mutants as well. So, yes, but you have to remember you know? that that's not necessarily the case in in the MCU. Even though they have the rights to Fox Fox's stuff now, they couldn't make that, so they had to come up with alternate stories. And so, I'm actually looking at an entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe fandom, and Wanda and Pietro are from Sokovia. Um, oh, and they, okay. they have they have nothing to do with mutants or they're, they're just oh, that's power. a huge yeah. shame i don't i don't, I I don't like that I'm, i would like them to be the children of magneto <laughs> no that's that i it's just not part of the mcu which i think is fine because because i do think the mcu united a bunch of franchises into into a, a single kind of universe and that's great but but at some point it's too much you've got to you've got to stop and i just it becomes too complicated and i'm fine with it as it is well it's been a good show i'm looking forward to the next one it what is it only nine episodes in total so we're Uh, nearly halfway wanda i thought it was eight vision television miniseries um Let's see, number of episodes, episodes, three, four. Oh, well, this this only has the four listed. Uh, I think I heard somewhere eight. I can't confirm that at the moment, though. Well, How many episodes of WandaVision? Uh, no, will there be? <gasps> ah, I can't find it. All right, well, people don't need to listen to me Googling. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I um, do you think that we'll go back to the WandaVision episodes, or do you think we're out of that kind of framing now, and, and we'll see more of what's going on? That's a good question. Well, you know, in the teasers, they have shown things that we haven't seen yet, like a version of Vision that looks like he's out of the old-fashioned comics. And it could yes. just be a blip in a scene for a brief moment in time. But then again, mm-hmm. it could be a whole episode. And what what I would expect more to find is that they will merge the WandaVision television sitcom with more and more of the investigators trying to break in and stop it. 
So we'll be hopping between the two until they completely converge and, com- and collide. Yeah, so um, there is nine episodes, at least according to IMDb. Finally found it. Um, the interesting thing is that episode four was called We Interrupt This Program, which we, I don't see a title for episode five, and it, so apparently it's not announced. But the picture for episode five is very much 80s. <laughs> So I think we're headed to the 80s next. Ah, okay. Uh, so I think we're going to be back in the the framing of um, of Wanda. Uh, I mean, of, of the WandaVision show. So I'm hoping that the villains are the the people that were in the commercials, the men and the woman in the commercials. For no apparent reason, there's a commercial break in the first three, and there's a men and a woman advertising totally disparate things. But and, all had to do with something in the MCU, like the Hydra soap. Yes, or the, yes. yes. Yeah. There's references to Hydra. So yes. uh, th- that's what I am rooting for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun, and I'm I'm definitely more hooked than I was, for sure. <laughs> 